Okay, everybody, well, welcome. Um, hope you all had an inspiring Kippur. Thank you for joining us. We, we know it, we're aware that it's, it's Sukkot coming up, um, so the Chagim coming in one after the other. It's, uh, you know, it's your attendance is appreciated. And um, as you said, there's no rest for the Jews. And um, I was just telling Mrs. Tawil before the call, I, I don't know about you all, but after the series that we've had, um, you know, Yom Kippur was different. I was focusing on, you know, all the Shevana, the Shevanachs, the, you know, my pronunciation, the Dikduk of all the Chazanim. <laughs> um, and it, it definitely enhanced my, um, my Kippur. And uh, I think that's a good thing, um, you know, paying close attention to things that matter. Um, so I don't think we, um, we're very excited for this third part of, of this three-part series. Um, and I don't want to take more of your time. And again, it's late in Israel. So thank you very much. Um, uh, please, Bechavod. Thank you. Hi, everyone. About six years ago, I worked in a school that had a very strange rule. And it was the only school in the entire tri-state area. It was a school in the United States that I knew had this rule. And I couldn't imagine why this would be required. And what was the rule? The rule was that girls need to know te'amim. They need to know how to read from the Torah, just like boys. And I thought that was so strange because I said, when are girls, girls are never going up to the Torah in shul to read. Why do they need to have to know how? It's something that boys learn for their bar mitzvah. Why do girls need to know? And the principal was very insistent that the girls learn as well. The principal was Rabbi Dweck. And he said, girls need to know just as much as boys do. Now, I never learned it before because I didn't learn it in school. But luckily, as I mentioned in the past, I came from a house where reading was very important. So I went to my dad, I went to my brother. I said, can you guys teach me how to read with Tammy? I need to learn it. And they said, sure. And slowly I learned it. And then I was able to teach it to my class. I taught girls for three years, third grade. And then I switched to boys. And uh, the girls were not using what they learned in shul because the the they don't read from the Torah, but the boys were. And after I learned how, I understood why Rabbi Dwak was very insistent that girls need to know Tamim as well. And that's one of the things I hope to share with you by the end of the class. If it's something that you don't know, I hope you'll be inspired to go and learn it. And um, if it is something you do know, you'll appreciate it even more. And something that I'm noticing the more I'm involved in, in grammar is how involved in it how inv- involved it is and how it's such a wide world. <laughs> my inbox is full of emails between me and my teacher every day. I come up with another question. Why does this word happen? Dagesh, why does it not? I told my husband, David, what we're going to do every night before we go to sleep is I'm going to teach you another rule of Degeshim. Why is there Dagesh Kal? The six rules, I'm going to teach you the rules. And he's very open to it. He never learned it, but he said, sure, if you want to teach it, teach it. And it just... Uh, Avi mentioned that his Yom Kippur prayer was, was different now that he's focusing more. I, 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 maybe uh, <laughs> once more time is passed from this class, I'll get back to my normal praying because I know also I was in a synagogue this past weekend and all I'm seeing is Shevaim and Degeshim and Te'amim. I'm not even looking at the words. I'm just trying to figure out why it has Diktuk a certain way and it, it, it completely, once you're exposed to the world, it envelops you and it brings you in. There's only three classes to this series and there are tons of topics. I'm going to give some recommendations for what I think you should do if you're interested for further study and um, what other topics there are because it's endless. And even with this, you could always delve in deeper. Um, I'm really happy to be here. It's always so exciting. I light up when I speak about grammar. So let me share my screen with you. Okay, um, and I want to start out by thanking, one second, just want to, wait, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re, I'm going to reshare in a second, I want to just, sorry, <laughs> technical, um, Wait, 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 wait. Sorry about that. 
One second. Ah. Thank you for your patience. I need one more second. Okay, here we go. Let me share my screen. Okay, um, I want to thank my teacher, Mr. Norman Didia, who has been amazing in answering all my questions and sharing materials with me. So I want to speak about the goals for this week's class. I opened with Ta'amim and how important it is for everyone to learn it. We are not going to speak about Ta'amim because we have so many other topics to cover before that. That's a whole mother series, uh, Ta'amim, but I think we'll understand the importance of it. Um, by the time we're done with this class. So what I want to talk about today is what are the roles of syllables? How do we identify a kamatskatan? And what are the rules of degeshim? So those are the three basic topics I want to cover. Last week, we spoke about tenuot and their roles. We said this tenuot gedalot, tenuot ketanot, and the role is to move the word along. And we also spoke about differentiating between Shevaim. We mentioned Shevana, Shevanach, and Sheva Merachef. And <laughs> we are going to start out. I'm going to answer the questions you had last week. I didn't have time to answer, so I looked at, looked at them in the chat, and now I'd like to address them. So one question was, I see that sometimes the Koray reads a Chataf, Patach, like a Patach, and sometimes like a Sheva. What are the rules on that? So to review that. Here's a, an example from the Koran. This is in Sefer Shemot. So let's say we go, we'll read the last, the last Pasuk. So, uh, no, we'll read the last stuff. So, Ve'im mizbach avanim ta'aseli, lo tivne'et hen gazit, ki chad becha hennafta aleha v'tachalel leha. So notice, under the Lamed is a chatach patach. And if we continue to the next Pasuk, ve'lo ta'ale b'ma'alot al mizbechi. Notice under the ayin is a chataf patach. Now, this shouldn't surprise us under the ayin because we know that under geronit letters, letters which come from your throat, alef, he, chet, and ayin, you get a chataf patach because you can't have a shivana. Fine. But we mentioned that anytime you have a non-geronit letter, like the lamid, for example, and you have a chataf patach, it's there because chachmeh mesorah want to teach us something because otherwise just put, uh, patach or something else. Why chataf patach? And the reason is because they want to tell us, read it as a sheva na. So the correct pronunciation for this word is patachaleleha. So the rule, anytime you have a chataf patach under a geronit letter, you read it as is. If it's under a non-geronit letter, which is any letter but alef, he, chet, or ayin, you read it as a sheva na. Now, the reason why Chachmeh Mesura decided to put a chataf patach under a non-Gironit letter. For every case, it's different. Um, we, we showed an example last week in Bereshit, the, for, in, in Parashat Bereshit, we said if there was no Chatav Patach, you'd swallow it. Here it has to do with rules of Degeshim, which we'll get into, but that's um, the rule. And another question that was asked, is there an example of a Shavah Menachef that the Shavah Nach becomes Nach to remind us what a Shavah Menachef is? So it's not crucial to know. It's crucial to know nach and nach. Menachef just means it's a sheva nach that you read as a nach or as a nach that you read as a nach. An example would be, if we look over here, it should really be mikdash. But there's a degesh mikdash. Here's the example I spoke about before. Uzehav, vekashetotam. There's a, really, it should be a sheva nach but it's a shiva not because of the dagesh, so we see it it's switching. Another example where the shiva would switch is when we get to sivoy, instead of the word tiktov in atid, we have ketov, and we go from shiva nach to shiva na. So that's examples of shivaim switching. And for more on that, refer please to last week's class. Okay. 
what are the roles of syllables? I'm also going to uh, make an effort to end earlier this week, so I will have time to answer questions because there's no next thing. But I'll, I'm happy you can contact me for the rest of your lives to ask the questions. I love it. What are syllables? Growing up in school, I never learned syllables. In English, I did. I learned that one, you want to know how many syllables are in a word, you could clap it out. Computer, computer. <laughs> so I learned syllables. And in Hebrew, I didn't even know it was a thing. And then all of a sudden, I'm 20 years old, I'm learning about syllables. And I also, I, I want to emphasize, and I know I say it a lot in the classes, I didn't really know how to read properly until I was 20, um, which would give us hope that if, if there's anyone in the crowd that is not an expert reader, it's never too late to learn. And that's when I learned reading. I was not one of those people that was born um, reading perfectly from the time I was young. That wasn't me. So what are syllables and why are they important to know? Now, th this is a topic that there's so much to go into. My goal right now is so you know that it exists. <laughs> it's a topic in grammar. So a syllable is an ot and a tenua. It's a letter and a vowel. And a key role, uh, a key uh, rule to know is that the number of syllables in a word is, the, is based on the number of vowels. For example, you have the word suf. You have a shuruk over here, one vowel, one syllable. Panai, kamat kamats, two. Vakach, let's count, one, two, three. Kamats go patach, three syllables. So simple enough to figure it out. Now here is where it might get a little bit tricky. Shevaim and chatafim are not considered vowels. Therefore, they would not be their own syllable. For example, you have the word haddevarim. So normally we would count one, two, three, four. But we said that a sheva is not a syllable. So we can't count the sheva as one. So we only have three. Haddev, va, and rim. So that's three syllables. And it's the, the, again, the importance now is just so you know that the, there is such a thing in Hebrew as syllables. And, and you'll understand as we go on why it's important to know. There are two types of syllables, a closed syllable and an open syllable. A closed syllable ends with a consonant and is closed by either a shevanach or dagesh chazak. We're going to give examples so it'll be more clear. And an open syllable ends with a vowel. It, you don't even need to really memorize it because you could just do naturally from your mouth. If you're saying a word and your mouth is left open, it's an open syllable. If it's closed, it's a closed syllable. And a shivanach or a chataf opens the syllable. What does that mean? It's going to be clear. Now, I, I also want to say, I, I said a few minutes ago, I didn't really know how to read until I was 20. Syllables, I just always had this fear of it. And I spoke to my teacher a few days ago and I said, I get so nervous when I, syllables open, closed, I don't know what it is. And he said, you'll get the hang of it. And then I decided, done, enough is enough. Don't be scared of syllables. And I said, I'm going to give myself homework. I opened the chumash. I took five pesukim, every single word I analyzed. I made a chart and I sent it to my teacher. I said, this word has, has three syllables. The first one is open, second is closed, third one is open. I sent him an entire chart and, and now I don't have a fear of it anymore. I said, face your fear, learn syllables. And I asked my brother, who's an expert reader, do you know syllables? No, not really. I said, I'm going to learn it. So I, up until a few days ago, this made me nervous, this topic. And I want to give you uh, an example because I never learned it before, so it was hard. So we have the word mamtera. We want to count the syllables. So let's start by counting. One, two, three, because we said sheva is not a syllable. So the first one is mam, which is closed. When you say mam, your mouth is closed. Te, your mouth is open. Ra, your mouth is still open. So three syllables, closed, open, open. Let's try the next word. Again, the, we have a sheva in the beginning, so it doesn't count as a syllable. So we have, it, it, it joins, it's the shavana, it opens a syllable. So we have beru, which is one, mouth is open. Ha, your mouth is still open. Two syllables. And the last one, one syllable, one tenua, dam, your mouth is closed. Close syllable. Okay, <laughs> just to introduce to you this, this topic. 
And why are syllables important to know? The first reason why syllables are important to know, just be aware of another exist, is because of emphasis. When we speak Hebrew words or read Hebrew words, how do you know do I emphasize the beginning of the word, the middle of the word, the end of the word? If you know syllables, you know where the emphasis lies. And if you know ta'amim, it's a choke because you just open the chumash, you look where is the ta'am. The ta'am is usually on an accented letter. You know which one to accent. And today, that's what I do a lot of times. I want to know where to open a word. I just look at which letter it's on. So it, help, it helps tremendously. Every word in Hebrew has a main syllable that is emphasized over the others. Some examples. Mayim. Tinshemet actually appears in the Chumashas. Tinshemet, it's, it's one of the, the verbs that are not kosher now that I eat. And when you say these words, you, you emphasize a different part of it. Now, another thing I want to point out is Hebrew words usually emphasized on the last syllable, the random word before it. This is the concept known as milera. Now, uh, I don't know why, but in the Ashkenazi pronunciation of Hebrew, the words are usually pronounced in the beginning. For example, where in Israel, um, or in the Sephardi pr- pronunciation, Halacha, Torah, Avodah, Rosh Hashanah, Ashkenazi, Torah, Halacha, Rosh Hashanah. They pronounce it all in the beginning of the word. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> It could be that it's influenced from uh, European languages because uh, Semitic languages are emphasized at the end and that is the correct way to say the words. And Hebrew words are just the end. Also something else that I've been noticing, uh, also a lot of names, you emphasize the end of the syllable. David, Yehuda, Reuven. And I noticed in Israel, uh, people are always emphasized the beginning even when a nimna was possible, my husband's name is David, what do people call him? David. Your name is uh, Michal? Michal. I don't know why. Um, I taught English for two years right when I made Aliyah. And my Hebrew name, my English name is Adele. My Hebrew name is Chava. And I told my students, my name is Mora Chava. Not Mora Chava. Because it's Milera, not Mila'el. And I, I think the degree to which a person's name will be pronounced properly is to the degree, degree to which you care. And I don't know why almost all names in Israel today, people emphasize them mila'el in the beginning when it should be mila'el. So that's just something to be aware of. Most Hebrew words you emphasize at the end. <laughs> the rule. And uh, mila'el, I was throwing around that word when a syllable is emphasized at the beginning. A word with one syllable is mila'el. Yad. And how do you know syllables? How do you know where to emphasize it if you know syllables? Um, that would help out. And just the knowledge of Hebrew um, also helps. Now, this, I, I'm just going to throw out to prove that there's a purpose in doing all of this. Why do we need to know syllables? A lot of um, teachers in Israel that teach in Gan, teach in, in preschool, kindergarten, one of the requirements is when they write words, they need to put nikud, they need to put nikudot, because the kids are four or five, they don't know how to read yet. And when you have nikud under the letters, it helps. I was by my husband's aunt this Shabbat, and she used to teach Gan, and she said, when I taught nursery, I was terrified every time I had to put nikud. I didn't know, was it kamatz? I didn't know, was it patach? When do you put a dagesh? When is it a segol? I had no idea. I would have to open a dictionary every time I wanted to know. And growing up in, in America, I never really had that problem. I just kind of knew it intuitively where to, where to put it. And I told her, I said, if you know syllables, you'll know where to, what to put. You'll know where to put the nikud because there's rules. Just, I'm going to do one example with you. One of the rules of putting nikudot is when you have an open syllable, that's not emphasized, it's always a tenu'ah gedola. You always put a tenu'ah gedola. Now, in order to understand this sentence, one, you need to know what a syllable is. You need to, two, you need to know what an open syllable is. Three, you need to know what emphasis means. And four, you need to know what vowels are tenu'ot gedolot and what vowels are tenu'ot ketonot. So you need to know a lot in order to know how to put nikud. 
And then let's skip down to the blue. If you have a closed syllable that's not emphasized, it's always a tenu'a ketana. I'll give one example. And, and this, um, there are a lot of exceptions to it. And in, you have in certain of the lines, tamid always, but then the next line, al-pirov, mostly. But if someone wants to learn how to put proper nekudot, a, a recommendation is to learn syllables. And even that is not enough because there's a lot of words that are exceptions and a lot of the exceptions you could group into new rules. But, but this is a very good basis for knowing how. And I just want to go, for example, let's say take, take the word Avraham. I tutored a kid this summer. I was helping him read. And I said, write your name. So he writes his name. I said, okay, put Nikud. Now, I thought he would know how because it was his name, but he didn't. And he said, I don't know. Is it come out? Is it Fatah? Now, a lot of us are familiar with that from reading the Chumash. But if you just know the, the, the rules, you could know how to put it. And I want to just give an example. So we have the first, so let's count the syllables. We have three syllables. Patach would make it one. Kamatz, Kamatz would make it two and three. The Shiva is not a syllable. So we have the first syllable is Av. That's a closed syllable. What's the rule? Tinua Ketana. You have a Patach. Next, Ra is an open syllable. Let's look at the rule. An open syllable that's not emphasized. Great. We have a kamatz. Now let's do the last part, ham. When we say the word Avraham, the part that's emphasized is the ham. So now we have emphasis, which we go in. And we have uh, uh, a closed syllable. This is line four. That's emphasized is mostly tenu'a gedola, which you get a tenu'a gedola again. All of this, <laughs> I really didn't understand until a few days ago where I said, Adele, you're going to be speaking to these people about syllables. You should make sure you know it well. Um, know that they exist. Know that it's a whole world. And it can open a lot if you want to know how to properly put a kudot. And if you want to know where to emphasize words, the more you delve into syllables, the, the more possible. It, it, it's nice then that it exists. Now, it doesn't help with every word, but it helps with a lot. So that's just an example about syllables. Okay. How do we identify a kamatz katan? So this question, uh, there are a few rules. We're not going to do all of them because my goal in all of these questions is never to do the topic to the end. It's to introduce it to you and then for you to go do independent study or chavuta study together to figure out more. So how do we know when a kamas katan is? I want to give you some basic rules. Okay, here's the definition. I'm going to read it with you and then I'm going to give examples so it won't just be out there. And because of this definition, I was debating, should I mention syllables in class? Should I not? I said, you don't really need it, do you? But if the definition I'm giving of how to identify a kamas katan and to remind us kamas katan makes us sound oh. If in the definition, you need to know what a syllable is and how can I not teach syllables? So the way you know if a kamaz katan is a kamaz katan is if you have a closed syllable that's not emphasized. Okay, what does all this mean? Closed syllable, not emphasized. Let, let's, let's give some examples, but that is the definition. Now, if you are someone that doesn't know what a closed syllable is, then this definition doesn't even help, uh, which is why a lot, a lot of people have difficulty with it because... They never learned this, so we don't blame them. But I want to just now give some, there's about six different rules, five or six different rules for Kamatz Katan. We're not going to do all of them, but I'm going to do ones that I think are very crucial and will help your reading. Uh, also, you need a, a, a basic knowledge of the Hebrew language for, to understand this. So every word has a shodesh, it has a root. Now, roots used to be two letters. Nowadays, people, the grammarians say they're mostly three. So two or three letters, but let's say three. When you have a, a verb, an ayin po'al, so when you have the word po'al, a verb, you have peha po'al, which is the first letter, ayin po'al, second letter, and lamid po'al, which is the third, third letter. So when ayin po'al, which is the second letter, is a vav, and you have vav mehapechet, you will get a kamas katan instead of a shuluk. What does that mean? The words like this are all over the chumash. 
in the Chumash, when you have something called Vava Mehapechet, where you'll have a word in Atid, in future tense, that when you, when you explain it, you use past tense, and you'll have a word in past tense that, that when you explain it using future tense. It's the way, the way the Torah writes. So all the time I hear people read this incorrectly, and I don't want that to be you. So I'm going to help. I'm going to give some examples. This word over here, never ever read it as Vayagad. Never, because it is not a kamatz, a regular kamatz. The second kamatz is a kamatz katan. Uh, another, in all of these examples, I'm going to give you, I'm going to read it for you so you know. Never say Vayagad Moav, that does not exist. Vayagod, or really, if we're, now, if we're being even more specific, there's, not, there's no Dagesh, so Vayagod, because you don't emphasize it. Next one, Vayakos. And notice how I didn't say Vayakos, I emphasized the beginning. When you have words like this, the emphasis moves back a bit. I'll, I'll give a few more examples, it'll be clear. The emphasis moves back. Another word, This even if you understand the rule, just always now you have which is examples of a word with a vav, where the word is in atid and switching to avad or vice versa, the second kamat is always kamat katan. Always, always, always. A few more examples that we have over here. Not vatamat, that doesn't exist. Vatamat. Vatamat sara bekiryat arba'i chavron be'eris kena'an vayakom avraham me'al penemetov edabela benechat lamad so I, I don't know why this is not a universal thing and everyone knows that's how you read it. This is how you read it. Second kamat, kamat katan. The emphasis moves back a syllable. And the reason why, so if we go, if we go back to the reason, because one of the rules of kamat katan, and I, I really think here the reason is less important because it works for all of them. So just know that that's how it is. When you have words of this kind of shodesh, the, the shuruk is replaced by kamas katan. So that's a technical reason why. So that's something um, very important to emphasize. We see it all over the Torah. That's how it's read. Next, also with vav ha'ipuch, when you have a shoresh that has a double letter and you have vav ha'mehapechet, again, you're switching the word from ati to avar, you will get a kamas katan. Vayachom, the Shoresh Chamam, double letter Memem, Vayachom, not Vayacham, not Vayachom. So we'll read the Pasuk, Vayaal, Vayishkav, Al Hayelet, Vayasem Piv, Al Piv, Vayanav, Al Anav, Vayachapav, Al Kapav, Vayachar, Alav, Vayachom, Vesar Hayelet. Next, Vanasov. Vanasav, Vanasov, second command, Kamaskatan. Remember that. I hope I emphasized it enough because this is this is such an easy way to improve reading and it, it just works all the time. And this is because the technical reason behind this is because of the double letter, which is why it's switching to a kamatskata. Okay. Now I want to bring in what I had earlier with the syllable, why you need to know syllables for kamatskatan. A kamatskatan appears before shavanach if you have a closed syllable that's not emphasized. For example, the word chokhmah, smartness. I don't know why people say chachma. It's not chachma. It's a chokhma. And the, oh, where is the closed syllable? So choch, the shivanach, it's a closed syllable. It's not emphasized. You've got a, you get a kamaskatan. Now, I'm going to give you uh, tricks later on that will help you tremendously when you read. And I use the tricks myself because the Chachmeh Misorah gave us these tricks to help us. Because sometimes it's hard to know, but there are things that Chachmeh Misorah put into the system that will help you identify what it is. 
Now, we have the word chofen becomes chofnav, chodesh, chodshe, it's not chadshe, it's chodshe. And for this, really, what I said earlier, that the more knowledge you have of the Hebrew language, the easier it'll be. Because if you're reading this word and you're not sure what it is, well, if you have the context and you know it means month, and you know the way you say month is chodesh, then it can't be chadshe, it has to be chodshe. So these are, are some examples. And um, I think the the more examples we see, the easier it'll be. And I will say, I still, I will not say that I know every single word with what it is. I still ask, and I recommend the same thing. If reading properly is something that's important and you go through the rules and you're not sure, ask someone and then, and then, and then you're good. Another uh, rule, and this, this specific one I use a lot, when you have a letter that is, this word over here. Now, maybe I would see it and say, it says, maybe I would see the next word and say, maybe I would see this and say, but then what clues me in that it's a kamas katan? If you see the dagesh over here, and we're going to talk about the rules of dageshim in a little bit, there would never be a dagesh chazak after kamas ever, unless it was a tinuah ketana. One of the one of the rules we're going to learn of dageshim is when you have a tinuah ketana, what follows is either a shevanach or dagesh chazak. Now, if this word was ranu, you would not have a dagesh. The dagesh automatically clues me in that it's a kamatz katan. Because after a tinu'ah ketana, you get a dagesh chazak. Now, it's it kind of what comes first, the chicken and the egg. Do you know kamatz rules first or dagesh rules first? You need to know both. You know both, it helps. Anytime you're reading, if you see a kamatz and there's a dagesh chazak, which we'll talk about what it is afterwards, it cannot be a regular kamatz or there, no, there would not be a dagesh. There just wouldn't be. So now if we read it properly, and this word you can maybe think is but dagesh kolu. Now another uh, here here the second rule I mentioned a second ago, you cannot have a dagesh after tinuagedola unless it's mutemet. So if you go in the words and you see next to the sheen and the yod is a line, it really should be vertical, but the computer made in horizontal. Shamma, yamma, these are emphasized. You're emphasizing these words, that's what is dagesh afterwards, but normally you would never see it. So you're reading Tehinim. You see a dagesh after a tinu'ah gedola. You know what all the tinu'ah gedola are. You say, hey, how could this be? Must not be a regular kamatz. Must, must be a kamatz katan. And that, that'll clue you in. Now, I want to give some examples from tefillah, uh, things that we're used to saying, and just point out examples where we would have kamatz katan. And then I'm going to give you tips and tricks to knowing this. So uh, this is from the Amidah, and I know every Ida has their own version. Uh, not everyone says this exact one, but this is the one I say, so I brought it. So, ata chonen le'adam da'at, umlamed le'enosh bina, ve'chonenu. Why is it vechonenu, not vechanenu? If I didn't know, I would look at the word, I'd say, hey, there's a dagesh in the nun, but we learned that you can't get a dagesh after tinu'a gedola. So if there's a dagesh, it must mean it's a tinu'a ketana. If it's a tinu'a ketana, it must be a kamat katan, vechonenu. And uh, here I brought the Ashkenazi version down below. Now, why, why there is a Okay, we're talking about Degeshim, we're going to Degeshim, but that clues you in automatically. Another one, Barech Alenu, Sefaradim, they say Barechenu in the summer months, Barech Alenu in the winter months. And a line, I don't know if this is universal, but I'm going to, it's in my version. So towards the end, you see this word. Now, normally if we saw it, I would probably read it Shamina, because you have a Sheva, after Tinua Gedola, Shavana. However, I'm reading the sentence. I'm thinking of the context, context. We're asking God. I'm going to skip the first. I'll, I'll read it the right way. Shomra v'hasila, shana zom davada. We're asking God, commanding him, please, asking, save this year from anything bad. 
So one, you know, from context, because why would this word be shaman up past tense if the next word we're asking for the future? And something else, which is it may be less clear here, but it, it really works if you look in Chumashim for sure, Siduni maybe. If this was Shamera, there would most probably be a metig, which is this little line near after the first Kamas, and that would clue you in. There's no line, Kamas Katan, Shomra. Here are some examples from Tehillim. And I said last week, and I'm going to emphasize again, the new Koren Tanakh, which is soft cover, has Kamas Katan emphasized, which makes it very, very easy. Adonai Yishmorcha Mikorach Yishmor Et Nafshecha. You see it's a Kamat Katan and, and they bolded it. Adonai Yishmor Set Another Kamat Katan emphasized. Now let's go down to some Tehilim. Mizmor Koflametet. This Pasuk over here. Golmi Ra'u Hanecha. Golmi. How do I know it's a Kamat Katan? Well, I said if you have the, if you had a Meteg, if you had a line next to the Kamats, then it would be Kamat Gadol, but there's not Golmi. And we go down over here. Chokreni el vedat levavi, Kamat Katan. Now here's another word, notice. This word is not Bechoneni, Bechaneni. If it was Bechoneni, you would have a Dagesh in the Nun, you know. So it's, uh, the more sensitive we are to Dageshim, the more it'll help us with everything. And Tehilim is, it's just full of, of, of kamat katans, full of it. And it, it can change the meaning of the word. And it's so important to, to emphasize it correctly. Um, I just want to point to other things. Let's say this word over here. How do you know it's yakero and not yakero? Well, notice after the kamats, you have a metheg. And that's one of the things that, that are here to help us read it. And we should use it. Oftentimes, see, golmi, no metheg. Chokreni, no line, no metag after the chet. Something else I want to point out, uh, again from Amida, re'ena be'onyenu, na anyenu, ve'ribari benu u'maher lecha'olenu. Achataf kamat is o. I want to onyenu. Now, this also, uh, there's another key word here I want to discuss because Israelis um, mispronounce it. Modim. Now, how do Israelis say this word? I tested one of my friend's kids. I said, how do you say afternoon? They, for some reason, I don't know why, Israelis say saharayim. It cannot, under any circumstances, be saharayim. It just can't because you have a chataf kamat under the head. Now, I actually read, it, read up on this. They have um, in Israel... This Lashona Academia Leivrit, if you that name, an academy that what they deal with is Hebrew words and how you're supposed to pronounce them and how you do Nikud. And this is one of the words they were talking about. And they said, people that say Saharaim, it's wrong. It's completely wrong. Now, there are two options to say it. They said there are people that will read this word Saharaim. There are people that will read it Saharaim. Now, they said there is yeshamali smoch For both words, there are people that have a masoret. The more correct one is sahorayim. But if you hear someone saying sahorayim, you could, <laughs> you could give them a pass. I, I asked my teacher, Norman, about this. And he said, funny, you should ask. Because my first day of advanced Hebrew grammar, I had a word very similar. I read it sahorayim. And the teacher said, no, it's sahorayim. And I went and argued with him and... He started quoting grammarians to me to prove to me that I was wrong. And I said, I'm right. And then he said the following day, his teacher comes to him and says, Norman, I looked up in depth and there are grammarians that predate the ones that I was quoting by a few centuries. You're right. The more proper right is Sahoraim. So <laughs> I want to teach that to you. Ga'oleno, you have a chatach kamat, the letter right before it, regular kamats. So that, that's something else I wanted to point out. Some practical tips with this. And there are more rules of Kamat Katan that we didn't go through <laughs> on your own time. This Chumash, I really recommended that it has the Kamat and Shivaim bolded. It's really, really great. And here is the Tanakh Koren soft cover. Now, I will say that 
even in the Quran are mistakes. Um, I know what Quran or probably any publishing book, they spend hours before they publish something. They don't just randomly put in quotes. They pick a certain system that they want to go by. Now, if that's not the system you're going to use, then you should know that. Uh, one example of why I just know that there could be mistakes is I was reading Tehillim. Uh, no, I didn't bring it here. So one line is Shamereni El, and another line is Shomreni. Now, it looks exactly the same, and the Koran did Shomreni for both, but one was Shamereni. So I asked my teacher, and, and he said, based on context, one is Shamereni, one is Shomreni, one is past tense, one is future tense, and the Koran had them both as the Kamat Katan. Um, now, the Koran picked their system. But in my system, I want to do it based on context, based on tense, and I choose to do it differently. So even with this, there's no ironclad rules, but it definitely helps in 90% of the cases. So this is really a great investment to help. But nothing replaces rules. Some examples, notice there is no meteg after the ayin and after the shin in the kamatskatan. Acholcha, no meteg kamatskatan. Now, this is probably the best tip that I have to give. And I think if, if, if just for this, it was worth it to come to this shiur. One of the ways that I became more accurate in Taumim, and now I say Taumim with my phone right next to me because I'm always going to check my pronunciation, is there's this uh, rabbi. His name is Rabbi Shimon Aluf. And if you go to torcentral.org and you search for him, they have a recording of him reading all 150 Mizmorim of Tehillim with Te'amim. Now it's Sephardic, so if that's not how you read, then it's fine. You don't have to go by it. One, if someone is interested in learning the, the tune of the Te'amim, he's excellent. But more than that, his pronunciation can't be better. So anytime I'm not sure, I have it all downloaded on my iPhone. I go to that Mizmor of Tehillim and I check. How does Rabbi Aluf pronounce it? If Rabbi Aluf pronounces it this way, this is the way. And then I realized how much more accurate I could be after hearing him. And I've had this goal for years, which I start and stop and start and stop. And I hope to not stop it, that I want to learn the entire Tehillim book with him. Because if I do, my pronunciation, will, it sticks with you. So that's also a recommendation I want to give. So we spoke about syllables. We spoke about Akamatz Katan. And now what are the rules of Degeshim? Uh, number four <laughs> doesn't exist. I'm not doing an intro to Tamim. Okay, this I really, really wanted to say before Yom Kippur, but because we didn't speak about Degashim, I didn't. But keep this in mind for next Yom Kippur. I heard this example 10 years ago and it stuck with me for life. Anenu, it's a tefillah that Sefaradim love, and even people who are not Sefaradim know it because it's part of Salichot. Everyone likes singing it. It's really fun. Aneno, Abraham, Aneno. I have to start singing now because you just sing this. Look at the way Aneno is written. If the Chazan, and a lot of times either people in the congregation or the Chazan, their turn to read the line and they'll go on and on and on and on depending on the, the voice's capability. They'll, they'll sing, sing the line. If the Chazan puts a dagesh in the first noon. And he says, aneno, and not aneno. What did he do? Instead of asking God, answer us, which is aneno, God answer us. He says, aneno, he's asking God to torture us. It's world of a difference. One, please answer us. One, please torture us. And the last thing we want on Yom Kippur is to ask the merciful God to torture us. And this is Degeshim, Degesh Chazak, which we're going to learn about. Change the meaning of the word. If you put a Degesh in a place where there's not, or you don't put a Degesh in a place that there is, that there is you, it's possible that you completely change the meaning of the word and you're asking God for something you don't want. So beware that you do not say aneno. Aneno, there's no dagesh. Two types of dageshim. This is our last topic we're going to talk about today. One is dagesh kal. One is dagesh chazak. Dagesh kal appears only in the letters beget kefet. We mentioned in the first class that these six letters have a double pronunciation. When there is no dagesh, you say it one way. When there is a dagesh, you say it another way. 
And a dagesh chazak appears in all the letters except for Aleph, He, Chet, Ein, Resh. Cannot appear in those letters. Now, there are a few examples in the Tanakh of a dagesh and a resh, but it's, it's rare in those cases need a, their own study. A dagesh chazak could be in Beged Kefet. So it doesn't mean anytime there's a dagesh in a kaf that it's a dagesh kav. It could be either, and you need to know the rules for that. But these are the two types. And a dagesh chazak changes the meaning of the word, not in every case, but in a lot of cases, which we saw, anenu and anenu. Very different. <laughs> what are the rules of dagesh kal? Dagesh kal appears in the beginning of a word, bereshit, after shevanach, yachtov, and if you see, it's see, see how easy nikud is when you know the rules of dagashim, you know when to put it. And in the last letter of a word that ends with one shivar, two shivaim, at vayishp, you have a dagashka. That's it. Those simple. However, and here are all the exceptions, and then there's exceptions to the exceptions. If you have a word before, the word Beged Kefet, that ends with the, the letter Aleph, He, Vav, Riyod, and the words are connected with a Ta'am that's Mechabed. Now, this, look how many things we're building on one another. So I, I, you need knowledge of everything. So in Ta'amim, we mentioned one of the weeks that there's two types. There's Ta'amim, whose job is, it is to join the words together. And there's Ta'amim, whose job are to say, stop. Atnach, you pause. Now, if... Um, yeah, I'm going to give you an example in the next slide. So, you know what? I think I'll explain the rule in the next slide because it's easier to see an example. Uh, we'll, we'll do the second one and then we'll go back. You have the word So, if you have the, the word before the Begit Kefit letter ends in Aleph He Vavar Yod, Ehvi, and there's a Ta'am Mechabed, which means read these words together. So under the Aine, we have a Shofar Holech, which is a Ta'am Mechabed. So you're supposed to read them together. You don't pause after Le'ane. Le'ane Chol Yisrael. It's one unit. You do not get a Dagesh. That it stops it. Kifana Yod stops it. Ve'ata He stops it. Now, the first one, Elechafara, it's a Kaf. Why, why should that stop it? Because another rule <laughs> is that if it ends in a, a taf with a kamat or he with a kamat or chav with a kamat, it's considered like the words ehvi, like a letter ehvi because it's an open syllable. So if we go to the example over here, elecha is an open syllable. So as far as the read is concerned, it could have ended, it could have had a different letter before that. There's no dagesh. However. There are six exceptions to this rule. <laughs> so look how many things we have. You think, oh, Dagesh and Beged Kefet, simple. But wait, no Dagesh and Beged Kefet if there's Ehvi before the word. And it's two Tamim that join together. But there's exceptions even to that. And it seems complicated and hard in the beginning. But the more you read and the more you pay attention, it all of a sudden becomes so smooth. And then it becomes super fun to read. Um, I'm looking at the, at the time, so I want to leave time for, for questions at the end. So if we have to end it a bit early, we end it a bit early. So there are six exceptions. We're not going to go through six. We're only going to go through two. But no, there are more for you to go and learn. One, let's look at this word, al-shenei So first we think you put a dagesh in the kaf, beged kefet. But then you say, wait, you don't put a dagesh because ehvi, you have a yod. But then you say, wait, but you do put a dagesh. Why? Because we have a tarcha. A tarcha is a ta'mafsik. Al-shanem, you pause a little, and then kevasim. So it gets a dagesh. Now, if someone does not know ta'amim, then they're not going to know this. If you do know ta'amim, think of how easy it is to read from the Torah. You don't need to guess kevasim, kevasim, because you know the rule. Knowing the rules gives you so much knowledge and power and, and speed. You could read pesukim like nothing because you, you know the rule. So that's one exception. Another, so we didn't learn about a mapik, but that's a topic for further study. If you have a mapik at the end of the word, so mapik is a he, you would think ehvi, but mapik is an exception. tasim. If you have a mapik, it stops the rule, you get a dagesh and beged kefe. Okay, so to summarize, 
דגש קל. You only can get it in Otiot Beget Kefir, which means if you see a Dagesh in a Nun, you automatically know it's not a Dagesh Kal. Beginning of a word, after Shivanach, end of a word. Can't get it in after an Ehvi word. However, there's exceptions. Al-Shenekevasim, Ta'amachsik, and Bistidah Tasim. Okay, Dagesh Chazak. <laughs> well, I'm going to do them two more minutes. Whatever we could get in, you get in. If not, then uh, I'm going to send the notes after so you'll have it. Appears in all the letters, but Aleph Hei Chaz Nesh. Changes the meaning of a word. Example, from Hallelujah, we say it in Tefillah. This word over here, you read it as Be-Minim. Now, something I mentioned in the first class, and we're going to repeat. If you learn to... Sh- to to shorten your chiriks, and you don't read a chirik, chaser is a chirik maleh, you automatically get a dagesh. So your pronunciation will get better right away just from reading it right. We said if you speak English, you're not at an advantage. You have the word if, if, it's not if, it's short, but minim, you got a dagesh in the nun. So that's one word. Now you have laminim velamalshinim or shivat haminim. What's the difference between the word? The first one, minim, is a musical instrument. Laminim means people that are kofrim or going against Judaism or types like shiv'at minim or abba'at minim sukkot. So it's very important uh, for the gesh chazak to emphasize when there is and when there's not. Appears in a word for one of seven reasons. So there's seven different reasons why you would get a dagesh chazak. We are not going to do all of them. We're going to do, I think, either one or two. One, to close the syllable. So you have a tinu'a ketana. Chirik chaser, chirik chaser, patach, patach. You would either get a shivanach or dagesh chazak. Hene, tanur, emo, taberu. So you see a dagesh, closes the syllable. And another time you would get a dagesh chazak, after he ha What is he ha a uh, head uh, that's telling you a specific. Not cave, the cave. You see a Dagesh Chazak in all of these. However, <laughs> of course, what would the Duke be if there were no exceptions to this rule? And I want to give you an example over here. I remember my brother was reading from the Torah and he read it, Halavim. And now, if he, I love my brothers, the experts, but you can make mistakes. If I don't think they know every rule. If he knew this rule, an exception to the exception, then he would know it's halvim, not halavim. Why? So let's go through it. You have heha yadi'a, the levim, so it should be halavim. However, one of the exceptions is if you, had a la, if you have a lamad shivait, a lamad with a shiva, after heha yadi'a, doesn't get a dagesh. So look how many rules you need to know. But once you know it, you're good. So halavim. Or to show that a letter was, is missing. You have Chagag, Tachogu. There's a Gimel missing, so they put a, a Dagesh in this Gimel to show you. Sabuni, Savav, Mazze. Should be Mazze, but there's a letter missing. Okay, so I'm going to skip the summary. But there are a lot of reasons and exceptions. Okay, I want to get to this summary, and then there's another point I want to make and give a, a few minutes for questions. We started out speaking a bit. I told you my story of Tamim, where in Barkai Yeshiva, where I taught, even girls needed to know Tamim. And I said, why? Why do girls need to know? Now, if you think about some of the things we learned, one, Tamim help you know what emphasize the word. Tamim, in order to know if there's a dagesh or not, you need to know if it's a tam that connects or a tam that stops. Well, the, the next slide, we're going to go through all the reasons why it's important, but it surprised me, and now I'm so grateful that I know it. We spoke about syllables, open and closed. We spoke about if you emphasize the word at the beginning or at the end. We did some of the rules that learned some tricks. We saw some examples from tefillah, practical tips. We went a little bit over Dagesh Khal, a little bit over Dagesh Khazak. The main thing is to know that they exist. And now what I just want to end with is if I say follow up what I recommend from here, so one, I think um, if anyone is interested, they should for sure learn the rest of the rules of Dagesh Kal and Dagesh Chazak and all the exceptions. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do every night before I go to bed. 
um, also Havarot to become better at it. Uh, this time, every topic, Mapik, we didn't speak about, we didn't speak about Patach Kenuva. There's so many topics that we just didn't delve into, but I, I think we did cover that. And I want to just, and, and of course, my main thing that I hope everyone does after this is learn to Amim. Um, it's just amazing. It'll change your whole understanding. And why do I think everyone should learn, including girls? So he, the following is my list of reasons. One, it teaches you, up, teaches you how to break up a pasuk properly. If you know which tamim you pause that in which you continue, you know when to pause and when not. Two, it helps give you the knowledge of when there is the gesh and when there's not, so you don't have to memorize so much. <laughs> That's always nice. Three, it teaches you where to emphasize the word. I said when I need to know where to emphasize the word, I open up the chumash, see where's the ta'am. Oh, the ta'am is on this part of the word. This is where I emphasize. Automatically gives it to you. Helps you with nikud and kamatkatan as well. Helps you memorize the pesukim better because it's a tune. Makes reading more fun <laughs> because it's a tune. And this, it, it's kind of nice to have a closing how we ended. We started off this whole series with Chachmeh Mesora and said Chachmeh Mesora, they were worried that the Mesora was going to get lost. And they wanted people to know, this is how you read from the Torah. These are the Perushim we want to give to you. And someone that knows Te'amim is open to a whole world of Perushim that Chachmeh Mesora were sensitive to. So what you're basically saying is, Yes, I want the Mesorah. Thank you for this gift of the Mesorah that you're giving to me. And this is the gift you're enabling yourself if you learn Ta'amim. Thank you so much um, for being here. This is such a fun journey for me. I loved it. I know I am way more into reading properly and grammar even more than I was before. And um, I look forward maybe to meeting you again. If anyone is interested in the future, has a... Uh, any grammar questions or anything you want to discuss. Once you love grammar, you love grammar. So I'm always happy to. I'm, I'm going to put my, I'll put my email in the chat and you can ask Avi or Siddharth for contact information in the future. Anyone has any questions? Oh, I don't see any in the chat. If anyone has, I think we have about a minute. My pleasure. Otherwise, uh, we'll end here. <laughs> I'll let you digest. So that's my email. If anyone needs anything, I'm thrilled to help. I used to teach the I have a question. Um, well, one of them is, is like, I could probably do Chazaraf with, with the slide, with the presentation, but just in case it doesn't explain clearly. In, in the example of the, like, Vayagor or, or Vayakom, and um, so you, you mentioned that the Shuruk is replaced by the Kamatz Katan. Right. Um, what was the, the main reason for that? Is it was it a tense thing? Or what was the reason that they're, they're replaced? What was the reason they're replaced? That um, the shoe, gonna, yeah. Right, right. So I understand your question. Um, I'm going to get back to you on that because I want to have a more exact answer than I have. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I know how to find you. Or, or maybe in, in the notes, I'll include it till when I, when I send it up. Yeah. I'll, I'll my, get back to you. My, my second question, actually, is something that was asked First of all, we have on on our Discord, I don't know if Sin has told you about this, we have um, sort of a channel dedicated to Dikduk. Um, so I, we should definitely have you on that and I, I think you will enjoy it and, and because there's always interesting questions that people come, especially as the Parashat Shavua goes. Um, and someone asked, uh, I think it was this week, um, in Ha'azinu, there's, the, there's a sort of hair at the beginning of one of the Pesukim before... Um, whether it's, it's um, I think it's ha, ha ladonai, and whether the hair is its own word or it's part of its part, it's, it's independent word or is it part of um, the other one? Because obviously it's a weird to have one letter word. Um, and that I was thinking about it after the shurim that we had, that it actually has a quite a, a, a sort of consequence because it would depend on uh, on that whether the Lamed at the beginning of Ladonai is, because it's a Sheva, if it's Sheva Na or Nach. Um, I don't know if, the, if you um, know which uh, So I actually I'm... don't, because one of the things that my dad, um, my dad taught my brothers Ha'azinu by heart, because he says, you know, open Ha'azinu, it says, teach your sons. So I actually, I, I, I know Ha'azinu by heart, so I know the exact pasuk you're, you're talking about, and I have my, my brothers in my head. 
So based on how, how they say it, they say it ha la donai. Like they, they pause a bit. I, I don't know Is if I'm answering the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, can you say it again? Yeah, they say ha la donai. Right? right. Ha la donai tigmeluza. Yeah. They, they, they pause a bit. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. But this I know more just from hearing them and um, but it would be interesting to look look at it in the chumash and and see how it's written. Yeah. Does anyone have any other questions? I've been taking the. <laughs> okay then. Um, as it's late, um, just wanted to thank you tremendously. Also, the I think the presentations, the slideshows, you've obviously prepared a lot for that, and we're really grateful for that because that's a resource we, we, we always have um, we'll put it up on the on the profile on the sort of on our website and where everyone will have access and you can definitely go back to revisit it um, and as Mr. Will said many times that it's this is sort of an introductory class um, and it's uh, you know these are sort of the basic rules that are, are super important but there's so much to delve into and it's a never-ending uh, journey um, so yeah, I, I we really appreciate everything, and we look forward to having you again in, in the future. Um, and I, I just want to tell people about the, that Discord channel. Uh, do get in touch if you're not aware of it, and it'd be great to get conversations going and ask your questions there, and um, we can explore it together. Um, so yeah, thank you. I, th I think there's also actually a Facebook group which is "God Save Us from Your Pronunciations." Um, <laughs> I think that one, there's also quite a lot of experts and it's quite a, another global group if you're not aware of it. Um, so yeah, on Thursday we have uh, Rabbi Dweck who's going to be talking on Sukkot. About Sukkot. Uh, it's going to be a public shiur, so, so spread the word. Um, and I think that's pretty much all the announcements. Thank you again and Chag uh, Sameach to everybody um, until Thursday. Thank you, Chag Sameach. Thank mm -hmm. you.